And welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stalter. I appreciate you tuning in again on this Monday. Hopefully you're in line for several victories if you're in several leagues heading into the Lions-Packers matchup tonight. Uh, one of the biggest Packers fans that, that I know is John Paulson, and he joins me right now. How you doing, John? I'm doing all right, Anthony. How you doing? Uh, not too good. Falcons lose again, although I'm kind of, I was kind of expecting it yesterday. So um, you know, it's one of those weekends where you, you thought your team was going to lose, and they did, and you don't feel any better even though you were right. How about that, how about that uh, Julio Jones drop? I would venture to say that he would catch that pass 99.9999% of the time. And the fact that he dropped that one just kind of tells you that it's, it's not the Falcons' year. Yeah, and that, that, talk about touchdown regression with this offense, too. And I think that's yeah. part of it, it's just getting slapped in the face. with, And you lose by three. That's, that's terrible. Exactly. So that was that was hard to swallow, but we, you know, fantasy football fans don't care about my misery. Um, Before we kind of get into the storylines for week nine, tell us about the music that brought us in today. Uh, Yeah, that was uh, one of my favorite tracks by a band called the Eels. Uh, They were pretty eh, fairly big in the in the aughts, early aughts, uh, late 90s. Uh, It's off of their album Soul Jack or the name of the track. Uh, is Fresh Feeling. It's the third track on that album. Uh, I've added it to the Most Accurate Podcast playlist. I also made a Most Accurate Podcast uh, playlist volume two, uh, which is more of the modern rock that we're starting to get into as opposed to the bluesy rock that we were uh, kind of focusing on for the first couple years of the pod. Uh, but I have a lot of like deep cuts like this that uh, I want uh, listeners to hear. So I'm, I'm putting it on a, a separate playlist uh, as well, volume two. If you, uh, I'll put a link of that link to that in the podcast post um i'll spend 30 seconds talking about this and then we'll dive into the storylines john and i were talking before we jumped on the podcast and one of the directions we now want to go in with this podcast uh, as it continues to evolve is to discuss more storylines maybe some questions or some situations that fantasy owners are going through after a a week or going into uh, a game so when you normally listen to Mondays you you hear us kind of break down the injuries then we talk about the RBBC situations and then we'll move on to the Monday night football matchup but instead John and I are going to compile some questions and they could be about running backs it could be about quarterbacks tight ends whatever it might be but just some of the press pressing situations going on in fantasy football uh, and we think that that'll, that'll make for a, a pretty good podcast so we hope that you new, enjoy the new direction and without further ado John let's dive into the storylines from week nine you got your first look at the Tom Savage led Texans was it was it about what you expected for DeAndre Hopkins Lamar Miller and Will Fuller or were there any surprises well okay so he finished with 19 uh, completions out of 44 attempts uh, that my, my math may be wrong, but that's not good. Uh, <laughs> 219 yards passing, uh, 5.0 yards per attempt. He did have the one touchdown later in the game to DeAndre Hopkins, uh, who had six for 86 and a touchdown on 16 targets. Uh, so the, the volume is there for Hopkins and that, that is good for him. Uh, you know, I thought, I thought this game would be, I thought Savage had a chance to post, you know, two fifty and two in this in this game against arguably the worst pass defense in the league. Like this matchup at home, um, you know, he had he had a start under his belt. Uh, maybe learn from that. And you know, you have Hopkins. Uh, Fuller is a good receiver, um, so he had some weapons and just didn't materialize. It was really dire until that touchdown to Hopkins. 
Um, so I think Hopkins owners are fine with this. I mean, they would prefer uh, Deshaun Watson, obviously, under center. Uh, Will Fuller looks like he's taking a hit, although he did have eight targets. It's just eight targets from Tom Savage instead of eight targets from Deshaun Watson, and that's a, a big drop-off. So now he's going to be looking at uh, wide receiver three-type rankings uh, as we as we move forward in the year. So uh, I don't know if they're going to stick with this quarterback situation or not, but, uh, you know, Savage is this is this this passing game is going to struggle against mediocre to good pass defenses. They're they're if he's only can able if he's only able to put up 219 yards and a touchdown on the Colts, then uh, this is this is not a good sign for this passing offense. Does Brian seem to suffer an ankle injury in the Cowboys' victory over the Chiefs? Ian Rappaport of NFL Network tweeted out though that the the injury isn't serious. As an aside here, John Terrence Williams also suffered a, a knee injury. Uh, I think it was yeah, it was a sprained knee in that in that victory over the Chiefs. Any concern with either of these wide receivers, specifically Des Bryant? Well, let me pull up the snaps here for Dallas in this game. I just wanted to see how much he actually played. He ended up with a decent line. Des Bryant he played sixty nine percent of the snaps. Terrence Williams played eighty two percent of the snaps. Uh, Bryce Butler came in for forty percent of the snaps, and Cole Beasley played sixty seven percent of the snaps and had one of his patented two touchdown games. Um, he doesn't catch touchdowns, and if he does, he catches two. Uh, so that really is really helpful for fantasy owners uh, trying to figure out what Cole Beasley's doing. Uh, I think Bryce Butler is is not, a, I wouldn't call him a handcuff for Bryant, but if Bryant sits, I think Butler, you know, and Williams, I guess. Uh, it's just, you've, we've gotten excited about Williams in the past, and it just hasn't panned out. Butler has been productive when he's had opportunity um, if he comes in and plays 70, 80% of the snaps next week, um, you know, it, you know, he could produce. So, uh, that would be where the direction I would go with that. Doesn't sound, that being said, doesn't sound like Des Bryant's injury is that serious. According to rap sheet, it's, um, not too serious. And it's, you know, I would, I would call him questionable, but this is a player we'll be monitoring closely this week. Jameis Winston, John, was pulled yet again due to a shoulder injury yesterday in New Orleans. Mike Evans was a complete ghost outside of when he you know, came to Winston's defense during a sideline scuffle, which just got out of hand. How does Winston's injury further impact Evans and some of the other skill position players in Tampa Bay? Well, if, if, they're, if they lose Winston, it sets the whole offense back. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's okay. He's a decent backup, but he's not on the same level here. I mean, you have Deshaun Jackson with 25 yards on four targets. Uh, uh, Evans had six targets, but only caught one pass for 13 yards. And this, you know, this, this New Orleans defense is not a pushover anymore. Uh, uh, so, you know, I, I faded uh, Winston a little bit in the rankings. I had him at 10. Uh, I know he was ranked higher uh, by some of my peers. And I just didn't feel completely comfortable given the the road matchup uh, against an improving pass defense with the shoulder injury and it uh, I probably should have had him lower uh, honestly with the way things worked out but uh, they're gonna have to figure this out this week is whether or not they need to rest him and sit him out a week and let him fully heal um, because you know he was seven for 13 and 67 yards it wasn't a good start but he didn't it's not like he threw three picks or anything like that and um, or turn the ball over a bunch. So uh, I don't, I'm not sure why they benched him other than maybe he was it was acting up the shoulder. So uh, another player to monitor. And if he's out, you have to downgrade uh, Evans and uh, Deshaun Jackson. 
Any concern over Zach Ertz, who did not play yesterday? He he warmed up. He didn't feel comfortable with a strained hamstring and warm-ups. The Eagles have a bye week, so I'm assuming, John, that Ertz is going to be fine after this, but what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I see that we have Leonard Fournette up on, on deck here, uh, or, yeah, on deck here with uh, the next question, so I just want to address these two guys uh, at the same time since, sure. you know, I was I was sort of, I don't know, it was 8 a.m. my time, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a pretty easy morning of rankings. I don't have to do too much work. <laughs> Uh, all the injuries seem like they're pretty, you know, upfront. There's no weather really to speak of that, that that I would adjust for, and then all of a sudden, boom, boom, uh, Ertz out, Fournette out, and I'm having to. And this is my job to do this uh, on a Sunday morning, but um, trying to figure out uh, how much to downgrade Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, who gets his targets in Philly. Uh, I moved Trey Burton way up, uh, and I thought he was actually going to do a little bit more than what he did, but he did catch a touchdown. Uh, I think when I last saw, he had 24 yards receiving, I think, but the uh, he was targeted uh, on a 40-yard uh, fly pattern uh, that Wentz had him but missed him, like just missed him by about three yards. That could have been another touchdown for him. Um, so I felt pretty good about that move, and then Alshon Jeffrey all of a sudden has two touchdowns. Um, there as well and you really didn't need to downgrade Carson Wentz at all with with Ertz out he uh, had the four touchdowns so played played great against a really good defense uh, I think Ertz or I think uh, Wentz is a uh, matchup proof at this point um, so with Ertz I think this he was close to playing uh, this week so I think after another week of of healing he'll be okay to play uh, play next week and then Fournette this <laughs> you know Fournette's rookie season was going so well it really was. And then uh, he missed the one game with the ankle injury. And you're like, okay, he's got two weeks to to heal. And I have, I have him on two teams. And I actually took two losses, two close losses without him. And then coming back, I was like, okay, we got Fournette back. And <laughs> everything's fine. And then all of a sudden he's benched for breaking a team rule. Uh, I own I own a co-own a FFPC team with a, uh, one of my, my longtime friends, and he said this was akin to the time that we drafted Deuce McAllister <laughs> with the uh, number five pick. This was years and years and years ago, and then we found out, I don't know, halfway through the season that he never, he just never taped his ankles, and he was suffering like major a major ankle injury, and found out that. He like I think isn't taping ankles like standard practice for all football players? Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> so he was just we found that out and we're like, oh god, why why did we draft him? Because um, he I think missed half the season with a, with some ankle injury. But this reminded me of that because it's just like avoidable errors by the player that cost your fantasy team. But it's just one of those things. And if you have Chris Ivory on your team, that's great. But if you don't, uh, you're kind of screwed. I got questioned on Twitter for having Ivory ranked over. Yeldon after Yeldon played um, so well in the last game. But what I did, my thinking there was that Ivory's been running ahead of Yeldon the entire year. And then I looked at the game where uh, Yeldon had that long uh, run. And if you look at the touches after that run, it wasn't like they changed their, uh, how, how they divvied up that committee uh, after that long run. Ivory was still running ahead of him. So that's how I approached going into this game. Like I still think Ivory's the, the, the primary backup there with Yeldon, you know, sprinkling in. And um, that actually went, came to fruition. doesn't always work that way. Uh, but I think it sounds like Fournette's going to be back next week. Uh, so hopefully his owners has survived this three-game spell and he's able to provide RB1 numbers like uh, he has been. He, he was really a great pick at draft because he was slipping third, fourth round. 
Um, and uh, he was playing great, and then all of a sudden this happened, and uh, hopefully we're past it now. Uh, 0 for 3, you can count me with a, a loss as well because I had Fournette, I had to bench him, and I had, I had a, a decision to make, either go with Jay Ajayi, not knowing what – what his mm-hmm. what his role was going to be in Philadelphia, or Jonathan Stewart, who has not been great, but I figured would get the Good touches. Matchup. Yeah, um, and uh, as soon as Jonathan Stewart put two on the ground and Jay Ajayi rumbled forty six yards for a touchdown, I knew that I was going to be in for a long day, and I was. I took a loss. So thank you, Leonard Fournette. How about next time you get your ass to the team photo? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a host of other questions lined up and ready to go for John, including one about Adrian Peterson and another about uh, Marshawn Lynch. But fantasy football, football fans, listen up first. It's not too late to download the highest-rated fantasy football app. It's called Draft. You play in a real live snake draft. Draft. You'll be done in five minutes, and they're for only one week, so you don't have to worry about things like Leonard Fournette not not showing up for a team photo or another player going down with an injury. Start draft start every couple of minutes, so you can get in one. Right now, ahead of week 10, and the best part is you can play for cold, hard cash. Your chances of winning are actually 80% better than on those salary cap sites, and all new players get a free entry into real money drafts when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code 4 for 4 That's right, playing a real money game for free just by using our promo code 4 for 4 That's the number 4, F-O-R, and the number 4. It gets even better because draft is so sure that you'll love it that they're offering the most accurate podcast listeners a money-back guarantee of up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now using our promo code 4 for 4 John, I mentioned before the read there, uh, I wanted to ask you about Adrian Peterson. For Adrian Peterson owners, and they're probably desperate. In my situation, I had Dalvin Cook, so I picked up AP, hoping that he was going to be an RB2 moving forward. Based on his usage... Do you think that's the case? Is he an every week RB two, regardless of the matchup? Well, I mean, he had thirty seven carries <laughs> this game. <clears throat> that that that's extreme usage. I think you're I think if if you're guaranteeing thirty seven touches to anyone, you got to start him. Uh, so he averaged four point three yards per carry. Uh, not too involved in the passing game. Four targets, uh, two for two for eight. Um, I think. You know, even with Drew Stanton under center, if he's it's a middle to good matchup, then uh, you, he's looking like a high end RB two, low end RB one, just because he's he's getting a ton of work. How about Marshawn Lynch? He finally does something right for fantasy owners last night. Uh, a tongue in cheek comment for me right there, but you know he rushed he rushed fourteen times for fifty seven yards. But the big takeaway was that he had two touchdowns, <laughs> including one where he, he put a move on a on a defender that that really wanted nothing to do with him and waltzed into the end zone. Is he trustworthy moving forward, or is this sim- is he simply a touchdown dependent RB three moving forward based on what we saw before this game? Uh, you know, he's definitely touchdown dependent because he doesn't do much in the, in the passing game. And this, I'm just looking to see if this was his. This is definitely his best fantasy game of the year with the two touchdowns. He's been he's been over four yards per carry the last couple of weeks, where he's had uh, you know at least thirteen. 13 carries, he had uh, 12 carries for 41, 43 yards and a touchdown against Baltimore. I think what they'd like to do is get him 13 to 17 carries. Uh, it doesn't always work out based on the matchups. He's got a bye this week, uh, week 10, comes back with uh, New England next week so at home. So that should be a, a good matchup for him. And then Denver in week 12, which will be tougher, but then Giants, uh, Chiefs, and Dallas the next three games. So uh, 
he'll be startable as an RB2. Uh, you just got to be prepared to get the 50 yards, no touchdowns game. Because uh, for every one of these two touchdown games, you're going to probably get two or three of those where he doesn't find the end zone. But this is a pretty good offense. Uh, they should get things sorted out and score more touchdowns, and that will that should benefit him. Speaking of the Sunday night game, we got our first look at the Jay Ajayi-less Dolphins. Here's how everything broke down. You had Kenyon Drake carried nine times for 69 yards, including an impressive 42-yard scamper where he flashed some serious burst around the edge. He also caught six passes for 35 yards in that loss to Oakland. Damian Williams, meanwhile, finished with seven carries for 14 yards, but also added six carries on six targets for 47 yards and had a hard-fought touchdown as well. Both backs were productive in PPR format, so what's your expectation moving forward? Well, uh, Drake played 55% of the snaps, Williams 45% of the snaps. Drake had uh, 15 touches total, Damian Williams had 13 touches total, so I think this is a blueprint for what they're going to try to do. Uh, They're going to use both players in the passing game, both had six catches. Uh, Drake uh, had much more success running the ball, so you know, 7.7 yards per carry with a long of 42, Uh, so that looks like he had eight carries for 27 yards on the other Eight carries, not counting that long run. Uh, so that's three and a half. So it was, you know, still better than what Williams did. Uh, he might, he might edge up a little bit and get sixty percent of the carries, and Williams at forty, or maybe a sixty-five thirty-five split, if this continues in terms of the efficiency. Uh, but Williams is going to play a lot, as evidenced by the the six uh, receptions, forty-seven yards. They had him in uh, the game with a play designed for him to get uh, the touchdown. Uh, he made a nice. Uh, Broke a nice tackle and dove uh, for the end zone uh, to score that. They both had six targets, so pretty much equal usage there in the passing game. Uh, so I would still lean, if I'm picking one or two, I would lean Drake. But uh, both players will be usable, uh, especially in PPR formats, if they have a decent uh, matchup. If it's a really tough defense, then I don't think the Dolphins are going to be able to score you know, more than 14 or 17 points. And then that makes the, the fancy points a lot harder to come by. Speaking of the aforementioned Jay Ajayi, what did we learn about the Eagles' usage of Ajayi? He had eight carries for 77 yards and that 146-yard touchdown run that I mentioned earlier. LeGarrette Blunt was still in the mix. He had nine carries for 37 yards. And then Corey Clement actually had 12 carries for 51 yards. What, what do you make of the first look here with Ajayi joining that Eagles backfield? Well, I think uh, I think the Clement work, was most of that was uh, due to the fact that they were uh, leading. I don't know. I don't remember him having that many carries early in the game. I have to look at the the box score to see when he racked up most of his carries. I know he was involved and he had two touchdowns. Um, actually, three touchdowns total. Man. Um, so it's clear that he's passed Smallwood. I think that was one thing we didn't know coming into this game is that we weren't sure Clement, or we weren't sure how Clement and Smallwood would uh, would match up, or who's who's ahead of who. Uh, but, you know, giving Ajayi uh, eight carries in his first game, you know, he was traded early this week and came in and, and played well and played this much. I think it's kind of spells doom for Blunt. I think he's going to go by the wayside and uh, it's going to be Ajayi and probably Clement uh, is, as the catch, uh, the pass catcher, um, you know, playing more on passing downs and, and as the change of pace. Uh, back. I mean, they might roll Blunt out there if the matchup is good, and they think they can open some holes for him. But in the, the odd man out, I think, is Smallwood. I don't think he's going to uh, play much at all once uh, Ajayi gets going. 
On the other side of that Denver-Philly game was the Broncos mess where Devontae Booker, C.J. Anderson, and Jamal Charles all shared 19 ineffective carries. Are any of these backs trustworthy moving forward? Uh, No. Uh, I've been fading Anderson quite a bit in the rankings uh, because of it. If you look at when Booker came back, it was prior to their bye, and then they had the bye, and they've had four games since then. And Anderson's role, he still you know, gets some carries if the, if the running game is going well. This was a terrible matchup against Philly. But um, if, if the matchup's decent, he'll still get 10 to 15 carries in the, in the running game. But his role in the passing game is really dried up. Uh, Anderson um, only has two catches in his last four games after having 10 catches in his first four games. And then if you look at Booker over the last four games, he has 12 catches in those four games. So he's basically, basically taken over Anderson's role in the passing game. And that has made Anderson, taken him from like a high RB2 down to an RB3 type that you're hoping uh, gets you, you know, 50 or 60 yards and maybe a touchdown. And then finally, Chris Thompson had an okay day in PPR formats because he caught four passes for 11 yards to go along with four carries for 20 yards. It wasn't a great day, but if you started him, you know, you could have, you could have started Jonathan Stewart instead, like, you know, uh, yours truly did. Uh, but Rob Kelly also continues to receive plenty of opportunities. John, thoughts on Washington's backfield after yesterday? Well, this is a – I want to go off on a tangent here with Ian Rappaport because uh, he had uh, two tweets that um, – Reference Rob Kelly being limited uh, in this game. He was going to play, but it would be very limited. He ends up with the two touchdowns. He did not run the ball well. I mean, it was very low yards per carry, but he ended up getting the two scores. Uh, and that obviously hurt Thompson. Uh, Thompson didn't have an explosive run or explosive catch uh, in this game, so he, he didn't deliver. But, he, you know, he's heading into this week, he was in the top 10 in standard uh, scoring for running backs. So, um you know he's he's definitely the the best running back there still, and it just was a rough day for him overall with his overall usage. Um, and then the other Rappaport uh, tweet that I noticed was the Curtis Samuel would be the biggest beneficiary from the uh, the trade of uh, Kelvin Benjamin. He had some infi- inside information. Now, now Curtis Samuel didn't do much with his his extra snaps. Uh, he he caught three passes on five targets for twenty three yards. He had one rush for fourteen yards. Russell Shepard didn't do much either, but Samuel definitely took the bigger jump uh, in snaps. Uh, he, he went from 28% in Week 8 to 75% in Week 9. Uh, meanwhile, Shepard went from 46% to 58%. So uh, definitely from a playing time standpoint, Samuel's uh, uh, it jumped more than, than Shepard's. It just didn't result in a lot of fantasy production at this point uh, in Week 9. Thoughts on the Monday night football game? You got the Lions going against your Packers. The Lions have had next to no success against Green Bay in Lambeau, though they did win there two years ago. Uh, the problem that I see is that, um, you know, obviously Brett, Brett uh, Hundley is going – yeah, Hundley, thank you. He's going to start for the Packers. Uh, he's, he's so good I forgot his name. Uh, but, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, John, I thought it was interesting that Mike McCarthy, he clearly didn't trust Hundley whatsoever, but now you got – a bye week and an extra day of preparation going into tonight. So I guess my question would be, what, what's your expectations for your Packers tonight? Well, this is another, uh, once you ask me, I just sighed and put my, folded my arms across my chest and I am disgruntled, <laughs> I would say, with how they're handling the situation. They 
Uh, Mike McCarthy is in a press conference and somebody asks him about uh, veteran quarterbacks, you know, is Colin Kaepernick an option? And he takes umbrage at that. And he's really um, set on Brett Hundley, had lots of confidence in Brett Hundley. They've got two plus years invested in him. And then they go out and they don't have a game plan um, set up to take advantage of his skill set. He does create a touchdown. Uh, using his legs in the first half, but then the second half was just completely dreadful. They made no adjustments uh, to get him going as a thrower. Uh, he obviously has great preseason stats as a thrower, which it surprises me that he's this has been this bad in the regular season. Uh, so we've had a bye week now, two weeks to get ready for this game. It's a home game against the Lions. This is one where you know if Aaron Rodgers were healthy. The Packers would probably be a seven-point favorite. Uh, this is a good Detroit team. I think they come in and uh, they're the favorite, uh, given the fact that Hundley started. And uh, the Lions do have a good defense and a solid offense. And um, this is a this is like a test of McCarthy's ability to coach in the NFL, in my opinion. I think he's been uh, there's an argument that he's been carried by the good quarterback play he's had uh, for years now. Uh, I haven't seen amazing play calling uh, or getting out of tough spots with his great uh, strategy. Uh, Timeout usage has been very suspect, uh, that kind of stuff. So two weeks to get your backup quarterback that you took umbrage when anybody suggested you should sign somebody else to get him ready for a um, home game against a division rival. This is a spot where how Hundley plays and how this team plays is a direct reflection on McCarthy's ability to, to raise the level of his game when the team really needs it. I mean, he needs, he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers to bail him out. Uh, So this is, this is like, this is the McCarthy haters will be watching closely to see if, uh, how they do. And if they fall flat on their face, like they did against the saints, then there really is a question of whether or not he should be the coach of the, of the Packers for the next five or, you know, seven years of, of Rogers twilight years. Uh, so that's my opinion on it. I don't know how married he is uh, or married Ted Thompson is to him or the franchise is to Mike McCarthy, Ted Thompson, but they've been living off that Super Bowl for, for years now. And um, this is a huge, a true test of whether or not they can evaluate a quarterback and be able to win without uh, their, their franchise player. Well said John Paulson throwing down the gauntlet. For Mike McCarthy. Uh, last thing, anything from a fantasy perspective that you're keeping your eye on tonight? <laughs> yeah, sure. is, this is this a fantasy podcast? Uh, no, I, I mean, I think Hundley is a decent streamer. I had him at 17 this week. I think Stafford's going to have a lot of success against the the pass defense of the Packers. Uh, this is this is one where he could have three touchdowns. Um, they're going to have a tougher time running the ball. I think the, the rush defense is pretty good uh, for the uh, – uh, for the Packers, uh, it's just the pass defense is a problem. And then, uh, you know, where where are the Packers getting their yardage and points? Uh, you know, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, how are these players affected by uh, Hundley now uh, as, in his second start, third game as the as the Packers uh, quarterback, essentially with, with the Vikings game, counting that one as well. Um, and then Martellus Bennett's out, so... You know, you would think that there'd be a few more targets there available for those wide receivers, uh, and, and maybe Lance Kendrick steps up. Uh, but I, I do think we'll see a lot of Aaron Jones as, as the runner. Uh, they are creating a lot of uh, 
rushing lanes. Uh, they're, they're doing well in football outsiders uh, line rankings, offensive line rankings in terms of uh, the yards that they're, they're creating as an offensive line. So that would be their best uh, bet, I think, is to try to uh, go to more of a balanced attack and then use uh, Huntley and play action. All right, good stuff as always, John. You can follow John on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter if you're so inclined. Good luck tonight. If you got any uh, DFS or standard league or year-long leagues uh, up for grabs and uh, you, you got a chance to win your matchups, best of luck. And uh, we'll see you on Friday for the next edition of the Most Accurate Podcast.